We're on the fourth stop of the seven-stop tour that Jesus has taken us through in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. So far, we've started off, Lord, Lord started us off at Ephesus, and then where do we go after that? Smyrna. What about after Smyrna? Pergamos, Pergamum, Pergamos, whichever way you like to say it. Going straight north, well, maybe a little northwest, but now we're, we've, we've made the turn, and now we're coming back down southeast a little bit to Thyatira. Uh, and then we'll, then we'll finish up with Sardis, <clears throat> and then Philadelphia, then Laodicea, and then that sequence. Uh, I'm sure you've done a lot of work yourselves on this, and I <clears throat> may not be telling you anything that you don't know, but I just, um, I, I like, particularly in the Bible, look at cities or names and see where they originate, or at least where they possibly originate from. Thyatira, there's two or three different ideas on that. In the Greek, um, T-H-E-A is a female deity. Interesting. Tyrannos, so you can, you can almost see the transliteration of that word from the Greek, and that's tyrant or ruler. So you put those two together. Some say it was named um, a fem after a female tyrant or ruler, which is kind of interesting because what female name is mentioned in the context of Thyatira? Jezebel. Maybe they're talking about her. Maybe it was named after her. A female um, a tyrant or ruler. Don't know. Uh, another one, it might make a little more sense, is uh, Thyatira. Uh, still call this today, you know, in Lebanon, it's called Lebanon today, but on the Phoenician seacoast there, there's uh, Sidon, and there's also Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Called Tyre then, called Tyre now. Country's a different name, but anyway, Phoenicians. And both of the, both Tyre and Thyatira were noted for their um, um, tradesmen, particularly in the uh, apparel business. Uh, if I'd have been living then, that's probably where I would have lived and, and made, made my living. That's what I did for a living. Um, they also noted for its purple. Uh, out of every sea, little sea creature, uh, I forget the name, some kind of mollusk, I think, uh, they got one drop of purple dye per mollusk. So you can see how many uh, drops it would take to dye a king's robe. Um, so, maybe Thyatira was named after Tyre. Could be. Could be. They have a lot of similarities. Uh, Thyatira is about 35, some say 40, wouldn't argue about it, southeast of Pergamus, Pergamum. It's the smallest of the seven cities. It's a fairly wealthy city, but it was uh, less significant than the others, which was kind of interesting. There were weavers, tanners, dyers, potters, clothiers, cobblers, bakers, I guess candlestick makers, I don't know. well, bronze workers, I guess that would be true, a lot of, a lot of bronze workers. And each of those uh, had their guild or trade unions, as we might say, 
And in order to work in any of those, it was a closed shop, we might say. Uh, if you wanted to work in these, you had to be a member of the trade guild or the, or the union. Well, if, okay, maybe, maybe not too bad, but here's, here's where the rub comes, is that each of, the, each of the trades had their own goddess or god, little g, little g. And each, they had their own festivals each year. Used to have your company picnics a long time ago, uh, before COVID. And, um, and now, uh, that's what they did. They had these, they had these festivals, these get-together, but the, but the rub was that they had to, um, they had to worship the, the little G um, that represented their trades, tradespeople. Okay, well, they also had meat sacrificed to them. Seen that before. So what's the problem for Christians? It's an obvious one. Idolatry. Well, they're not maybe worshiping the meat necessarily, but they're eating it. That was offered. We see that in, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 8 and Romans 14, don't we? The, 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 the thing there. Paul said, if, if you're going to eat it, don't ask any questions. If it's set before you, you, you can eat it. But if they say it's been offered to an idol, then for conscience sake, you can't do that. So there's the problem. And if you have to have a union card, we used to call them business, if you have to have a union card to work there, in order to get a union card to work there, you have to do these things. Well, Christians couldn't do it, and therefore they, in some cases, couldn't make a living. Couldn't make a living. Um, we don't know much about the church at Thyatira <clears throat> other than Revelation 2. That's it. It is mentioned one other time. Where was that? Acts. What, what chapter? 16. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Acts 16. Lydia. And where was Lydia? Trivia question, but it's interesting. Where was she? Was she in Thyatira when Paul? No. Philippi. She was at Philippi, uh, worshiping down by the river with, with women, a bunch of women. Paul went down there. We know the story. Baptized her, and her she and her house. Well, how did this church get started in Thyatira? Well, we don't know exactly. When you go over to Acts 19, we can see where Paul went through that, and, and Timothy and, and uh, Apollos and different ones went through that whole area, uh, Asia Minor, establishing churches. So probably that, that could be, or possibly what else? She had a house in, in Thyatira, had a household, so she eventually went back home, didn't she, after she got her business done. Could she, could she have started the church there? She sure could. Yes, she could. So we don't know exactly, but it's just kind of, just kind of interesting. Um, Lydia was actually the first convert, at least that we can read about, on the continent of Europe. They call it Asia Minor, but you know it's not Asia. It's not Thailand and Vietnam and Laos. It's not that. This is it's a Europe. So she was the first recorded uh, convert from Thyatira. In Europe, and she was uh, uh, from Europe, kind of interesting. Um, did you 
notice anything, this is, Don and I were talking, and I always like to get Don, stump him just a little bit if I can, which is rare. In fact, never. Uh, but I got him a little bit tonight. Um, in the seven churches, Jesus identifies himself as the Son of God in those words. Now, he says, you know, I'm the first and the last. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, and it was it Laodicea where I think he said he's the word and all of that. But this is the first time he says the Son of God, where he identifies himself as the Son of God, and that's in Thyatira. Just kind of interesting. Interesting. Um, Jesus also says that, that he, and we've seen this language before, he has eyes like unto a flame of fire. And Sean mentioned this early on. It's not literally fire, is it? What does that imply or what does that suggest? I think I heard it, but I, I didn't hear it. My hearing. Might, okay, right, bright, might, right. All those things are right. <laughs> They're correct. We'll go with that. Uh, that that's true. <clears throat> piercing. Seeing people with piercing eyes, just eyes that look like they're just looking right through you. Well, that's kind of that. Jesus sees all, knows all, and we've talked about that before. It's also interesting that it, his feet are like fine brass. Now, how do you, um, how, how does, how does, how is precious metals refined in fire? Jesus been through the fire? He'd been through the fire, had he not? And did he survive it? Yes, he did. Because he, he said, I, I've been through the fire. I know, I know what you're going through. He says he walks among the, the, the lampstands or the, or the churches. He's, he's walking here this evening. He, he knows what's going on here. And he knows what people go through in their lives. He knows what countries go through, like now. Um, so he, because he said, I've been there. I've, I've done that. Um, so that's how he identifies himself. He has this penetrating vision, just penetrating with all the wisdom and all the, the purifications. Now, in verse 19, I found this interesting as well. <clears throat> uh, chapter 2, by the way. Chapter 2, verse 19. I know your works. He says that to how many of the churches? All of them. He says it to all of them. <clears throat> I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Well, what's wrong with this church? What's wrong with this church? Well, so far, nothing. Pardon? Well, we're not to her yet. But you are right. You are correct. <clears throat> I know your works. And he even goes on to say, you're doing more work than you were. That's a commendation, isn't it? Then he says, I know your love. Well, compare that to Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. You see any um, compare and contrasting there? What, he what did uh, Jesus tell Ephesus? You're doing all these things, but you've lost, you've lost your first love. You, you, you've taken me for granted, basically. 
You've taken a lot of things for granted, probably your brethren too. And he doesn't say that about these. This is the agape love. He says, you have patience, you have agape love. This is a good church. How many churches so far do you know in this country could measure that? I don't know any. So far. I mean, these are tremendous things the Lord's saying here. He said, in fact, your work's even better than it were when you started. And he says, you have agape love. Now, what does agape mean? I love you, brother. No. They call that phileo love, don't they? Philadelphia. Uh, what is agape, Don? I love you like a brother in the book of John, yes. Interesting. Are you willing to die for me? Jesus says we, you have brothers and sisters here who are willing to die for one another. What, what does that show you? Does that show you maturity? Yes, it does. A lot of maturity. A lot of maturity uh, in the church. Now, as Diana says, now we get to the... Well, it's all interesting, but where, where, where the rubber meets the road, as, a, as the old commercial used to say. He says in verse 20, <clears throat> Nevertheless, don't like the word nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allowed that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things uh, sacrifice to idols. We've seen this before as well. Um, in, in Pergamos, similar kind of things. They had similar kind of, they're only 35 miles apart, so they, they were very heavily unionized uh, areas as well. Um, so Jezebel, now where do we see her in the past? Yeah, her husband was King Ahab. Well, that was a dynamic duo, wasn't it? Uh, what, what major prophet had to deal with them? Elijah. Elijah. Love Elijah. He took care of all, killed all the prophets, and then he ran and hid. He said, I'm the only one left. Of course, God says, well, that's not correct. You're not the only one left. So it's that Jezebel and Ahab. Ahab wanted a vineyard. Who was it? What vineyard? Naboth's vineyard. And he didn't get it, so he went to his room, turned his face against the wall, and he sulked. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, now this woman here, who there, who we'll talk about is this symbolic or is it, the, we'll get that in a second, said, almost came to her husband and said, you big baby, turn over, and if, you're the king for crying out loud. If you want that Vineyard, go get it. Of course, had, had him killed, and we, we know the story. That is the Jezebel. Anybody know any children that's ever been born where you named them Jezebel? I don't think so. I've never known one. Um, unless, uh, well, they're not here the night the Nelsons, but unless it's in Alabama. Uh, they've got a place called Laodicea. I just, so... Other than that, I don't, I've never heard of a, of a woman named Jezebel. Uh, so he says, 
you have a, a woman there who claims to be a prophetess. Prophetess. You think that's a literal woman with a literal name of Jezebel? Or could the word name Jezebel be a metaphor for a real woman that's there? A prophetess there? I kind of lean toward that. Um, it could be there was a literal woman named Jezebel, which would be very ironic, which I, I, I just don't think that's what it means. But I think there was a woman there who was a prophetess. Now, wait. Um, were there prophets in the New Testament times? What, what did I say? Prophetesses? Yes, there were prophetesses. In New Testament time, for sure. Can you think of a couple of sisters? Or three, that's right, I said two. Uh, Philip had three daughters. They certainly did. They, they certainly did. So, so far, uh, it's not uncommon for a prophetesses uh, to, to, be, to be active yet in the church. Um. So it appears that, in my opinion, that there was a woman there. She had a following. Not all. She had a following, and she claimed to be a prophetess. And was she somewhat successful? Yes. Yes, she was. She sure was. Um, Oh, I knew there's one other thing I wanted to mention. <clears throat> Were women allowed to teach in the New Testament? They were. With what sort of caveat, if you will? Now, this is. They, they can't lord it over men or they can't uh, usurp uh, men's authority. But yes, they could teach. They sure could. Uh, what did Priscilla do in Acts 18? With her husband. Offline, so to speak, taught Apollos, didn't she? Didn't they? Sure did. It taught the will of God more perfectly. And what, what did Apollos do after that more perfect teaching? He was baptized because he had only knew the baptism of John. It doesn't say rebaptized. Sometimes we, we, we can use that word. I've used it. But he was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus instead of the faulty baptism that he was, that he had been, at least at that time. Um, early on, it was fine. Um, we don't have Jezebel today, but what, um, what situation or situations could be taking place today in churches of Christ around the world, maybe not named Jezebel, but what kind of things could she have been doing? Now, he mentions uh, whether it's uh, um, literal, um, um, literal things that she was doing, you know, the, the bed of uh, adultery and all that kind of thing, or whether it was more of a spiritual thing. Uh, what could she have been saying? We don't know that. I'm not, I'm not trying to... What, what, could, what was her teaching, do you think, that was kind of had an appeal to the church with, in the context of their society where people were having struggles of paying their bills because they couldn't eat and 
things sacrificed. What, what, could, what could have been going on? The spirit of what? Spirit of compromise. See, one person can read my mind. I hate, I hate to have questions that let, leave one word open like you can read it, but the spirit of compromise. That's it. I think that's it. Now, how can that work today among his churches? Why don't we, uh, Ryan said, why don't we just agree to disagree? That sounds good, right? No. We're all going to the same place, they say. We're just taking different roads. Sounds, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. But it sounds like that might be okay. Any other things? Yes, sir? Right. That's right. No, no, that's right. Um, could she have been saying, you know, what's the big deal about eating meat from idols? It's just meat. You eat meat. No big deal. Um, perhaps she reasoned, have you ever heard this one? I, I, if you've been a member of the church for very long, you have. Uh, God will understand. You know God will understand that. No, I don't. I don't know that. I, I don't. You know, what better way to reach heathen than associating with them and going to their feasts and all these things? You know, that's how, we get to, that's how you convert them, they say. Social gospel, that's part of it, yes. Um, I've actually had this sprung on me. Um, I had a preacher tell me this one time. Um, well, you know, I, I go into the bars so I can convert the people into bars. And he didn't laugh. He was serious. Come to find out he was a heavy drinker later, but that was another story. Uh, he actually got fired over that. Um, so... There are ways and things that we do today, we say things today, that probably, or could be, she was preaching and teaching, oh, not a big deal, Lance, you know, don't, don't get, well, how do we, def it's a good work, how, I'm coming, James, how do we find, I'll be there, brother, how do we define a good work today? Because you hear that a lot. Well, you know they're doing good work over there. Well, who defines good? What does 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say? All scriptures given by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction that the, in, in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, complete, unto every, what? Good work. This defines what's good and not what we might think. Now, that doesn't fly very well in society today, or then either, I suspect. Uh, James, brother.
Yes, no, oh, that's right, James. Uh, that, that's right. It's um, exactly right. There, oftentimes it was connected to sexual immorality. Gnostics. Somebody said Gnostics. Well, that was a, a strong first cousin. Yes, that, you know, it's, it's based on knowledge, the uh, Nicolaitans and the, the, the Balaamites, if that's a word, Balaam follows him, uh, had to do with sexual immorality and oftentimes in the form of worship, you know, kind of thing. Uh, Don? Well, and, and that's a good point. Not only polygamy, what other things? It's, it's on the news and uh, all the time. Well, you know that um, abortion is legal, even up to the third trimester in some of these crazy places. It's legal. The government says it's legal. So what? So what? Uh, how did Peter answer that question? Early in Acts, three, four in there, five. That's right. We obey God rather than man. We try to get along with man. We try to obey the government wherever we can. But when, when there's something morally wrong, well, you got to stand up. And it may cost you your job. It may cost you life. We saw that last week in Pergamon. And who was that? It cost him his life. His faithful martyr, Antipas. Yes, Antipas. Yes. In Hebrews 10, verse 31, and then again in 12, verse 29, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it says it's, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, of the living God, not a, the, the living God. <clears throat> Pardon me for our God is a consuming fire. Be afraid, be fearful. I, yeah, I suppose you can be at times. But I tell you who you need to be fearful of is the one that can cast both body and soul into hell. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? Okay. Uh, questions, comments? We'll go to verse 23. I don't see any hands. Okay, we'll go to 23 then. Chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus still talking. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. What, what children is he talking about there, do you think? Jezebel's children? Remember, there's, well, there's already a lot of persecution Started back in probably the 60s, but certainly in 70 AD, but it's still going to go on probably for another 150 years, 100, at least 125 years. Um, I think the Lord's saying, I'll kill you even in this life. I don't think that's uh, symbolic, the people that are doing this. 
I, I have the ability to take you out. It sounds very specific to be, that's a good point, to be a generic sort of, sort of killing. That's, that's why I think it's, this, is a, this is a specific person. I think so. But I, I don't think he named them outright. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think it's just a, a metaphor for this woman and her followers. But everyone knows who she is. Everyone knows who she is. Now, if you're not following this prophetess, but you're in that church. There's a lot of good people in that church yet. What, what were they maybe not doing? We saw that in, uh, in Pergamum, too. They were not correcting them. Well, where are the elders? Well, I don't know. I guess they had elders. Uh, more likely they did. But whoever, they were not doing anything about it. They were compromising. Boy, we're in enough trouble already in this in this city. Why do we want to keep poking the finger and the, kicking that dog over in the corner? We're just going to stir everything up. Lance? I almost hate to even say this, but not that it couldn't have even been an elder's wife that is the problem. Who knows? Could be. It could be. We, we don't know those things, but uh, it, it was interesting. That's well, it is. It is disturbing. But now there's some encouragement for the ones at Thyatira who are going to try to do right, or are doing right. And we'll see that even in Sardis, where they said there's a few, even a few yet, that aren't, uh, they're not going along with this uh, Sardis church that we'll study on Sunday. He said, now I say to you and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. This is kind of interesting. Um, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. We need to find out who that is. And they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. Jesus says to the ones who are trying to do right, you hang on. You overcome, even if it costs you your life. Uh, and if you do overcome, there's a reward. How, do, how could they, uh, when you go back to where this is written, it's talking about Jesus, I think. But here he's talking about, I think, the church. How, do, how could the church today the church that we can read about in the New Testament. How can we dash, uh, what was the word in there? Dash to pieces like potters, vessels, the other, the people we're around. Through what? The truth. The truth. I believe that's right. This is how you, the sword of the spirit, that's not the feather of the spirit. Doesn't say, it doesn't use the word feather, does it? It's a sword, a two-edged sword. And he says it's so powerful, and, and we say this almost every week, but such a wonderful ver verses, Hebrews 4. Uh, it's sharp and powerful as any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide between soul and spirit and joint and marrow and all that. Um, I think that's what he's talking about here. And we as his people can dash to pieces, as it were, 
um, false doctrine by this right here. Now, if it doesn't mean that, honestly, I don't know what it means. And I may be, if I'm off, I'll, I can change. Don? The Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10 down, we've got the armor of God. Correct. Everything in there is defensive except for one thing. That's the sword. That's right. The word of God is the only offense that we have. No, that, that's right. Um, It's interesting the word suffer there means. You know, we know what suffer. Well, you're suffering. Well, it, it, it doesn't really re mean that here. In the original, according to Thayer, it says not to restrain or to let alone. So that really gives you a shot, a picture, a quick picture of what was going on here with that word. You suffer that woman Jezebel, but you're not restraining her. You're letting her alone, hoping it'll go away. 1 Corinthians 5. Sean. Does your translation in verse 26 say until the end? It does, yes. That's interesting, too. He says you'll get this if you hold fast until the end. What is the end there? That's what you'll get with him talking about there. Yeah. Right. I don't think he's talking about the end of time here. Right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, all this is so yeah. interesting. That, that makes it more complex. Well, well, it does. It, it, it really does. Ryan? Absolutely. Do we see it in our time? Oh, my. And whether you get toward the end of Revelation when he says Satan's on a chain for a while and I'm going to release him for a little while before the end. Whew, if we're not there, I don't know if I want to see it. Um, I believe he is active and, and we just, just turn the news on. Uh, and, and what did Paul say? Don't be... Don't be uh, don't be fooled by his devices now. Is that Paul or P? I think it's Paul. Don't be fooled by his devices. Be wise as serpents, but harmless as a dove. Uh, Lord, don't expect us to be fools. He gave us a brain to think. Um, so beware of, of Satan. And he says, I'll lay no other burden on you. How did Jesus uh, uh, describe in Matthew 11 about his burden? said, so my burden is light. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I don't know if that sounds too easy or light right now. Um, well, it is if, you, if you're all in. If you deny yourself, like he said, take up your easy chair. No. Take up your cross and follow me. When you get all in, it becomes a lot easier. It's riding a fence that's tough. You're not happy anywhere. Not happy in the world. You're not happy in the church. Now, that's where his burden come, becomes heavy. Because you're not all in. 
Um, so he says, I'm not going to lay any more burdens on you folks that are trying to do it right here. You're okay. You're going to be okay. Um, that's just my thought on the, on, on the thing. You may have, may have a different thought. Um, then he talks about, because <clears throat> we only got three or four minutes, <clears throat> pardon me, the last few verses, uh, 26 through 28. He says, he that overcomes keeps my words until the end. I've already talked about that, haven't I? Yes, 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 yes. Um, the overcomer, I want to get the, into this before we stop, is promised the morning star. Oh, wait, what? You, you're promised the morning star. Thoughts? Uh, I'm sorry, Lance, would you? Okay. Um, and, and, and the fact that if you try to drill down too hard, too close, no, that's right. You're not, you're not going to see it. No, that's right. And, and, and um, you guys mentioned a few moments ago um, about what this is about. My, my personal belief is that the all the rewards he who overcomes, that these are all pieces that go together to each one of those churches. So you have to take all seven of them, put them together, and that's what each of us gets when we overcome. Okay. Our final reward. And, and the reason I, this one made me think about that really quickly is the fact that we see Jesus right here like we've never seen him before. He's judging people. Yes. When he was in the world, he even forgave the woman in adultery. Right. He gave up very, very merciful. Right, right. This is the first picture we see of how Jesus is going to judge. And the, the powerful apocryphal language shows his authority. Okay. No, it is serious. No, those are really good points. Thank you. Um, who was Jesus' best friend on the earth again? John. Same John's here? How, did, how was John's reaction in, in the first chapter when he saw his best friend? Oh, fear. This ain't the same G. Well, it's the same. You know what I mean by that. Not, it's not in his personage. Uh, but he, what he saw, he dropped as a dead man. And that was his best friend on the earth. Uh, uh, in in uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 19, he talks about a light that shines in a dark place. Uh, he calls himself in, in Revelation 22 and verse 16, the, uh, the bright and morning star. Yes. And we could talk about what stars mean and do and all of that, but we, we get the picture. And as Lance said, you put all that together, what a wonderful, beautiful picture. But it's serious business. It's serious business. He had two churches that he didn't say anything negative about. But even this, this sounds to me like a, a really, really good church, except for. The, <laughs> just, just for the record, Sean Jeffrey said. That no church would be, uh, churches would be wonderful or with perfect with, if there weren't people involved. <laughs> hey, hey, Dave, we're going to have, Rick, we're going to have to remember that in our elders' meeting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>